thing that I really like about uh, this pose is that it is a really beautiful way to uh, release any congestion. If you ever work with um, kids or adults who are suffering from anxiety or depression, twists are the best thing to do. If you are ever working with someone who is suffering from uh, being tired, twists are really good to do. If you're ever working with someone who is pregnant and they had a hard time getting pregnant, and, or they're on a spectrum where they're maybe having a baby later in life, um, you don't want them to do a twist before their second, tri uh, yeah, second trimester because you don't want anything to dislodge. So there's lots of stuff that we are going to learn tonight to talk about twists. But tonight in our more advanced tech, we are working on Lord of the Fishes. So I always like to start these classes kind of talking about um, the story behind it. And uh, the cool thing about um, uh, I'm really not very good with Sanskrit, so I just kind of merge things together. The pose we're talking about is Arda Matsandrasana, so Arda meaning half, right? But Matsandra is a legendary yoga master from India from around 10th century CE. So CE is what? Before Christ? Yeah. That's a fucking long time ago, right? So this legend that I'm telling you is kind of something that is passed on from teacher to student, which is interesting because this mythological figure um, called Matsyandra is um, a kind of the way that um, the idea of teacher to student came from. Taya's like, really? Cool. It is cool because um, this posture um, not only has important benefits, it's one of the few asanas described um, in the 14th century manual, which is called the Hatha Yoga Pratapika. Yeah, so it is a very, very important pose, but it also shows you the idea of guru, where you're learning from teacher to student where the information is passed down orally. Um, yoga postures are often named for mythological figures in the hope of practicing them so that they might attain some of the heroic attributes of the uh, figure that they're being talked about. The story of the fish, Matsendra, highlights the virtues of concentration and stillness and offers a parable for the transformation transformative power of yoga. What's par par parable? Parable. Like a story? Okay. So I'm going to tell you a very bastardized variation of a parable. How's that? <laughs> um, um, Matsya, which is Sanskrit for fish, was swimming by and heard Shiva speaking. So Shiva basically was trying to tell one of his girly friends that he was trying to, you know, like, show her how, like, manly he was, was trying to teach 
um, about uh, yoga and kind of tell him how cool, or how, tell her how cool he was. So the fish was swimming by and heard this. And the fish never have heard um, Shiva lecture on the nature of life and the universe, decided to listen in, right? So he kind of like eavesdropped. Wasn't so cool, right? Because there was a ramification, something started to happen. Shiva continued to speak and tell this story to this beautiful woman that he was trying to win over, and the fish continued to listen. And as he listened, he felt the techniques and theory of yoga take hold in his body and begin to live through him. So he's a fish in the water, and he's starting to like feel all this stuff as he's hearing Shiva talk. So through his perfect listening, he became enlightened. And it was at that moment that Shiva became the first guru and Matsya became the first chela or student. And chela is C-H-E-L-A. And this is a relationship that has lived on throughout the years because the fish became human and then became a teacher himself and went around and taught the benefits and the wonders of yoga. It's kind of cool. Hence why it's a twisting thing, because he was eavesdropping. So it was a revolution. And also, the twist is about transforming. If I said, like in the beginning, that this is helping you to transform your day from dark to light, so if you're in depressed, or if you're anxious, you can literally use a revolution to rinse out, or to release, or to let go, or to ex what's it, uh, I was trying to think of a big word, but I can't think of it, expunge? Yeah, something that no longer serves you. Kind of cool. So when someone becomes enlightened, they have the opportunity to come back to earth to help those of us who wish to be liberated in this way. Matsaya is said to have come back as half human, half fish, and that through his wisdom, the Hatha Yoga Pradapika was written by the Nath Yogis. And in turn, this incarnation, we honor him through the prose Matsandrasana. And so then the Arda is the half. So half Lord of the Fishes is that twisting and that moving around. There's an A and a B version of this pose that we'll discuss tonight. And we will also talk about kind of like the definition. So if you see on the front page, of your sheets here, your handout, it says the Sanskrit word um, could be paripurna masandrasana, which is the complete, the lord of the fishes. Um, arda meaning half, um, matsaya is fish, indra is ruler, and asana is posture, seat, or platform of the breath. So whatever we're doing, we have to remember as we're twisting, and especially if you're like an anxious person or you're sad, the reason you really want to focus on doing this on the platform of the breath is because in order to expunge or to expel or to release the toxins that are congested in the lower half of your body, you have to inhale, lengthen, exhale, twist. So with any, any twist that you're going to teach, even if you're twisting in a cobra and laying down and just twisting your gaze, you always want to inhale, lengthen like a telescope, 
and then exhale, twist. Going just a little bit. Inhale, lengthen, and then exhale, twist. Inhale, lengthen, exhale, twist. And if you visually were watching what I was doing, I kept my hip points and my shoulders forward. My spine starts to rotate, which in turn, I still keep my hip points forward, but my shoulders or my neck just doesn't go like, you know, like a cartoon. But it's a slow, gradual process. And I think that's really important to remember that you're telescoping the spine, so you're still drawing to the midline. And with every exhale, you use the strength of the obliques, the abdominal walls, the internal organs to create the twist instead of just going too fast. Because if you go too fast, that's when you can tear your psoas. Who said they like the one that's on the ground where you do the spinal twist? Who said they like a supine spinal twist, right? So you like a supine spinal twist, but if you go too fast, you can really mess yourself up because you can turn and you can tear the muscles that are connected to your spine, or you can overstretch and then you just get scar tissue so that the twists become more challenging over time. So we're gonna play around with some stuff. Um, there's lots of variations of this pose, but there, I gave you a little bit of a diagram for, um, from Leslie Kamenoff's book, Yoga Anatomy. Um, what kind of muscles are affected? Lats. Lats. Rhomboids. Yep, serratus anterior. Director spinae. So think of like any kind of thing that is connected to the spinal column is going to be affected from the twist. Even if I just turn my neck, it's like a domino effect. So that if I turn just a little bit, I'm still working from the base of my spine. So I don't want you to think of as you twist that you're just twisting just like, you know, your first seven uh, uh, discs, but that you're really rotating from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. Because that connection, when you really figure out that connection, that's where you're going to get the most powerful effect through your twist. I and a, I got a cue one time that really changed my twist. I mm -hmm. overheard it, and it said, you know, it was about twisting it from the ribcage in your thoracic, and it said, don't keep your chin over your collarbone until you reach that point where you're, you've really gotten as far as you're going to get in mm -hmm. your So you're saying do keep your chin over your so, collarbone yeah. until so okay this way yeah. whereas you're like oh I want to look over yeah. my shoulder yeah and you realize how much further you have to go mm -hmm. when you're not just twisting first mm -hmm. when you're not that's awesome so we all drive right maybe I don't know mm -hmm. I have a cousin who's like 50 something and she doesn't drive but some of us might not want to drive but for, I love this she's just like yeah, uh, but there you have to really um, do the same thing when you're driving, because a lot of people just crank, and that's why whiplashes sometimes. You know, like it's that you can give yourself whiplash without even like getting in a car accident. 
But if you think about the principles, just like what Cynthia was just saying, if you're thinking about the principles as everything is interconnected and you're moving from the inside out, it's going to be really way more effective. Hmm. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so now we know that it affects all these awesome muscle groups and um, that we want to really focus on breathing as we twist, lengthening and telescoping the spine. What um, um, styles might you think use um, half Lord of the fishes? Ashtanga. Ashtanga for sure. Hatha yoga, right? So that basically that's every yoga, right? Uh, do you go to power vinyasa classes? Do they use half Lord of the fishes? Yeah. Do you go to um, yin yoga classes? Do they use half Lord of the fishes? Yeah, kind of like wah, wah, maybe, right? So would you say that this is more for beginners or advanced students? Advanced, right? But if I was teaching uh, beginners and I was gonna do what Anna said and I did like a half of that version, right? then you're still doing the same thing, but you have a leg that's straight, right? And you might not bind. So uh, I kind of joke about this, but there's really only like six yoga postures. And they're just done differently, whether you're on the ground seated, standing, or you're um, on your back. A lot of things are done over. Like if, think about it, if I'm gonna go do big toe pose. Oh, old lady legs, sorry. You do the big toe pose and you grab on, right? So, but then I'm gonna do big toe pose and I'm gonna grab on, okay? Then I'm gonna do big toe pose and I'm gonna grab on. I've done the same thing, right? So all I have done is I've changed the way that the earth is supporting me, which in turn, I've changed what muscles I need to engage to get into it to activate a little bit more, but I'm still working for my whole body as I'm doing it. But this pose is definitely more of an advanced pose, but there are poses that lead up to it or variations of the pose or prep poses for the pose that help you to get into it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I gave you variations of the pose and prep poses for Ardhamatsandrasana. Let's talk about um, some uh, uh, let's talk about some prep poses first. So do you think that um, breath work would help you to get prepared to do this twist? Yeah, what kind of breath work? Like if I go like alternate nostril breathing, is that going to help me? Maybe. It's a good breath practice. How about um, this one? Yep. So everybody hear that? What Kate just said? So Palabhati, the breath of fire. Uh, um, or skull shining breath. Um, how about um, cat cow? Okay. And why would that help, Laura? Mm -hmm, right? So you're warming up all of those muscles that are going to help us to go further in our twist. 
So everything that we're doing is modifications on up. We're doing building blocks so that truly, if we think about it, then um, if I'm going to go to this one, what's this called? Janushisasana, right? So if I'm, and I know you're just starting off, so don't worry about knowing all of the names, right? But you're all just kind of learning all of these things, and the names are really important, so do make flashcards. They help a lot. But as you go into like a Johnny leg, what am I preparing for? Hmm? Right? And I have to have my hamstrings open. I have to have my hips resilient. So any pose that you can get that opens your hips. Uh, how about, um, some of you don't know, but you can turn Johnny into a twist. So you can put like an ear down and reach out and go further and then get into the connections of the psoas, into that little region. Uh, then let's see, um, would a um, sun salutation help me get there? Right? Because I gotta warm myself up to get there. Nice. And then um, there is an interesting thing that happens when you go into half lord of a fish. Some people have bad knees, right? So if you can't do it with the knee bent, then you have to focus on maybe going half, halfway, right? But if you can do it with the knee bent, but you have a bad shoulder, a rotator cuff thing, right? So like you like contraindications or people who shouldn't do this pose. If you have a shoulder issue, then don't bind, right? But just focus on keeping your shoulder open. You can still get into your twist. So I want you to think of the idea that when it says who can do half Lord of the Fishes, everyone can really do it. And say someone says, well, I have hip height or I have one hip that's higher than the other or like I can't keep my buns to the ground. That's why we have blankets, right? So you prop a blanket underneath someone's behind until they get comfortable. Or you can take a strap. If someone can't bind, but they want to go and do it, you just take a strap. And you use a strap to create the connections for the hands. A lot of times your ego starts to get into play, and that's when the props are really important because when you show people that they can do it, then what happens, they keep opening up, and the more and more they practice, the less and less they need the props. Make sense? Awesome. Uh, so um, we'll talk about, we can talk about this now, but we'll talk about it after also. Um, what would be some follow-up poses for Half Lord of the Fishes? So I do a twist. Obvious thing to do after a twist is a counter pose, a counter twist, right? So even in the pose, say my knee is bent, and I go like this, a lot of times people like to do the counter twist, the counter pose. So there's nothing wrong with keeping the body in the same space and doing the opposite. Because then you truly are like rinsing out the cheesecloth or the dish rag or whatever you like to clean with those fancy, um, you know. Cass, when doing twists, is there any philosophy and you should always go to one side before the other just because of the direction of the, the energy? Yeah. 
Oh, acid great. that I just attract. Yeah, so that's a great question. It's the same concept as how many of you do um, uh, Pava Muktasana wind removing pose? What? How many of you poop? <laughs> I hope you all poop. Does anybody have a problem pooping? Because we can talk about that too. But my, you know, my niece had a problem pooping. We had to send her to the poop doctor. But I had a roommate once who didn't poop for a long time. It was kind of scary. But she went to the doctor too. So touch your tummies. Yogis love talking about poop. So important. Huh? It's so important. I know, but I mean, if you don't talk about poop, you got a problem, okay? Because you're not a true yoga teacher if you don't talk about poop. Okay, so you have the right side, so I'll mirror what you're all doing. The right side's your ascending, left side's the descending, and then you have your transverse abdominal walls. So your poop goes through, like you have 25 feet of like intestines inside of you. Has anybody ever gotten a colonic? No? How many people have? Three? No, that's not the same as a colonic. No. Colonics when they clean out. Yeah. Okay, if you haven't gotten a colonic, lots of yogis get a colonic quarterly. Oh my gosh. So uh, it's to the eyebrows. It's just I love it. It's great. Okay, um, uh, it helps you. It they put water in the bum holio, and it goes into your intestines, and it goes up until it gets into like front, all the way up the small intestine. And you feel like you're gonna implode, and then they like kind of massage you, and then they push all the water out, and it goes out, and then they do it again, and it's like sometimes they do it like two times. They fill you up, they let the water come out, and then the last time they fill you up. And then you're like, Sarah, you've never done this? Oh my God, it's like the best in the whole world. And then you go and they have you sit on the toilet. And I swear to God, it feels like you're pooping for like 10 hours. But you like sit on the toilet and like all kinds of stuff comes out. I'm telling you, I read, I, I mean, I've seen there's a book that is pretty fascinating. I'll, I can send you a link if you're interested um, because a lot of people do these cleanses. But it's so great to clean out your gallbladder and some of the systems and get your body to function properly. Not good to do when you're pregnant. But like um, this lady swallowed a Barbie shoe when she was like five years old. And she went in and she was like close to 40. And the Barbie shoe came out. Oh, my oh, gosh. gosh. Oh. She like looked hard enough at it to like she saw it. Well, because you're, you're, oh, so there's this one place you can go to and you can see it. It comes yeah. out of a tube. You watch it go through. Yeah, you watch it go through. It's, it's all very sterile. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. It's like totally like, yeah, it's the real deal. It's legit. But like, it's pretty fascinating. Okay. It's not just a guy in no. a bathroom. Uh -uh. No, there's like, there's like, we, we call her like Sue the poop doctor. There's like it's special like, people who do it. It must have been a stiletto. Yeah, that was a Barbie foot, right? But that's what happens inside your intestines because, like, think of it's all mushed in there, right? And they, that's what happens to food. That's why a lot of people get, like, food problems and different things. Things get stuck in the little crooks. So if you've never done window removing pose, do you do happy baby? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> See, now you should sit next to her and I would have a laughing party for my career. <laughs> okay, so if you've ever done happy baby, right, it's two, the apanasana, the exhale, the letting go. You So right leg is ascending.
descending, left, right, left side's descending, and then you do your transverse abdominal walls. I have a um, scoliosis, so I have a curved back, so I'm going to roll over like a turtle. But you, um, you push down, and then it's supposed to all come out. Have you ever had like a little kid, um, and you move their legs like that, and they fart? <laughs> right? That's the same thing. So when you twist, that's, that's one reason. There's, so back to Cynthia's question, uh, so uh, right side um, ascending, left side descending, and then transverse, and that's how you kind of move it around. So the ultimate goal is yes, you're twisting. So right first. Yep, and then left. So you're turning. But also, it's in some schools of thought, like it would be um, some places I work at, you have to turn left first because they believe that the twist is first. But in Ashtanga, which is kind of the lineage I follow, we always twist to the right first. Because you're opening. So Jeff, we would go right and then left. But that's a good question. That makes sense? Okay. Mm -hmm. If you're constipated in your body, sometimes you're constipated in your mind. So a lot of times, like stress and anxiety and worry, especially for kids and they can't communicate it, it could be a tummy issue and manifest that way and then they have a hard time pooping. Hence why you do wind removing, happy baby, or a twist, or tummy massages. <laughs> Okay. Well, that was fun. Well, any other <laughs> questions you'd like to know? Yeah? That was always the first question my dad would always ask us if anything was wrong with us. Really? Yeah. When was the last time you had a good bowel movement? We all roll our eyes. And, That's yeah. funny. Yeah. yeah. It's true, though. It's important. Yeah. So then when we start talking about, like, the benefits of it, um, when you go to the second page of your handout, the benefits, there's so many physical, energetic, and all kinds of things, but like, um, you're really, really focusing on um, helping you to um, work on your kidneys, um, it helps your metabolism, you're energizing your spine, your ribcage, your chest, it nourishes and realigns the spine, it helps with fatigue, backache, and sciatica. So, I mean, you know, I'm making a joke about the pooping and the twisting to release anxiety, but it really, really helps. And it's such a cathartic pose, um, and it's so therapeutic. It's not going to magically cure certain things that you might need to go to a Western doctor for if you really are severely depressed. But I highly recommend that if you do see a student who does have a challenge, that that would be the first way you start to kind of talk about detoxifying, wringing out, and soothing your entire body. Um, there's a saying in uh, yoga, and it's on the top of your sheet there, that you're as young as your spine is flexible. And I was lis listening to NPR today, and this um, woman was talking, Dr. Adler, and they have a, a, a mindfulness and a clinic in, um, at Harvard, and she was talking about like these superhumans, these people who are like 80 years old and running marathons, right? And that's like a yoga kind of a personality, a yoga body, where you're really keeping yourself flexible and agile and um, vital and healthy. Um, uh, and so it's, uh, it all comes from this kind of same concept of 
keeping yourself open to adjusting imbalances through twists so that you can be safe and healthy and strong and live a long, healthy life. Plus, when you twist, as yogis, you all know that if we get the breathing out of the shallow part and into the more diaphragmatic stuff, that's where um, you get that vitality, and that's what keeps your central nervous system strong and healthy. Coolio? Mm-hmm. Awesome. And then I'll, I sound kind of like a broken record. If you're focusing on your practice, remember that your practice comes from alignment. Because um, it's kind of a joke, but we are all twisted souls just trying to find center, right? So if basically we try to uncoil the serpentine snake, we open up all the energetic channels in our body. So we open up the chakras and we open up ourselves to be literally in Tadasana. And we root to rise, we take a stand, we're centered. And this alignment helps us to um, be our best self. And then we can shift smoothly with that inner state of equilibrium and peace, which goes into the concept of ha and ta. Most of you are not in your beginning um, yoga study practices, so the ha and the ta, the sun and the moon, you're finding those, imba- those balances, which in turn is the same thing as shtirasuka. So I'm not going to spend any really time talking about the idea of shtira sukha, but that when you make this accessible, you balance out your strengths and your weaknesses, and then in turn, Tadasana is always part of your practice. What's kind of fun is what's an advanced practice if I get a twist like Ardhamasandrasana, Half Lord of the Fishes, is that I can start doing really funny, stupid human tricks, right? So if I get half Lord of the Fishes, and I'm in my pose and I'm twisting, right? Pose, counter pose, I can start doing like all kinds of stupid human tricks, like Fallen Angel or um, Peacock Pose and different things like that, because I figured out the containment. Does that make sense? When you figure out how to draw to the midline, you find containment. And with that containment, your body is this beautiful vessel that your breath makes this effortlessly uh, dance. So you can dance with your bandhas. And that's not bongos, but bandhas. So that you can find different things and different ranges. And just make sure that when you're going through this, that you watch out for um, chronic hip, hip, back, or shoulder injury or inflammation so that you offer modifications. Those would be the issues and challenges to look into. And then the question I ask you for your homework before we start going into this pose and doing it physically and teaching it is that twisting makes you go deeper into your practice and works to wring out old toxic patterns. What other things in your life help you to reveal your inner self, find acceptance and peace? Dun, dun, dun. Meditation. Oh yeah, that's your journal thing, but thanks for sharing. Oh, that's your journal thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's okay. I blurted. 
I know, that's okay. I have, I have Tourette's too. That's good, I'm glad you blurted him. Good. Anybody got aches, pains, or boo-boos I need to know about? No? Everybody's good? Some of us are going to watch, and some of us are going to do, okay? But let's start focusing on um, moving into this pose, okay? Any questions? No? Everybody's good? One of the interesting things about the half Lord of the Fishes is that um, teachers are freaked out to adjust this pose, right? So I want to have you all adjust your friend in Dandasana. Dandasana is, we talked about this today, but what's Dandasana? Staff pose, right? So um, let's all go two and two and Two and two, 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 oh, you and me, yay. Okay, so what we're gonna do with staff pose is we are going to take and we are going to have our friend um, sit in front of us. When our friend sits in front of us, the first thing that we're going to do is we are gonna stand behind them like a little bit like duck feet, okay? So we're going to keep our feet uh, pointing out. Cool top, I like that. And all we're going to do is stand next to them. And so my friend's doing a really good example. She's rounding her shoulders forward, and she's not in the pose. So I'm going to say, plant your fingers by your sides of your hips. Elbows reach back. Good. And she, So some people aren't going to be able to bring their hands down to the ground, which is going to be the same thing in this Ardha Matsandrasana. So you're going to have to tent up your fingertips which in turn broadens the student's collarbone so that we're more open in the chest cavity. And then all we're gonna do is we can take and bring the um, heel of our right or left leg, it doesn't matter which one, and you're going to bring it towards the logo of your friend's pants. And then you're gonna take your hands to their shoulders, pointing the fingers out so you don't grab anything that you shouldn't, and you're <laughs> going to open them up. Did you see what happened? To her? Did I hurt you? No. No? Okay. I guess I should have asked her if I could touch her first, but that's what this is all about. Kumbaya, my lord. <laughs> She's even playing the music for it. Okay? Let's try that. And we all know good touch versus bad touch, so we don't have to review that. further on the And so, so basically, your leg that is near your friend's body is right along the spinal column. Do you want the palms flat on the ground? No, you can even twist them up or bring them
All we're going to do is open up the body and have them move into a twist. And you, as a teacher, can do that same adjustment on the student. So my teacher is going to come up next to me, and we're going to move incrementally up to this point, but <laughs> my teacher is going to come up, and I'm in the position, and I'm, I'm, I'm set up and stuff like that, and look at all she's going to do is place her heel next to the logo of my pants. So, yeah. And my spine is there, and then she takes her hands to the shoulders, and she does the same exact, slowly, uh, the same thing. So you already know how to adjust it, right? Really simple. You don't want to go in and just like crank someone if they look like they're already having a, a challenge. Maybe don't have them do their arm like this and maybe have them hold the shin, right? Or maybe have them hold their ankle so that they do less. Or maybe have a strap in between the hand and the hand so that they can do the same thing you just did to themselves. Because you see what happened when I just started to engage and I pretended there was something there? And I opened, you see my right shoulder open up? It's a really simple, simple thing to do. So now that my awesome teacher just adjusted me, what we're gonna start talking about is going from the um, Dandasana adjustment to moving into uh, Ardha Matsandrasana. When you go into this, the first thing that you have to think about is that someone's knee might be really jacked and might not work. And there's a lot of meniscus stuff and a lot of knee stuff going on. But the easiest way to cue someone is to say, push your, let's say we're starting on the right side. Put your right heel next to your left hip, okay? Because you know that they don't have a bad knee. If they have a bad knee, they keep their legs straight. Take the left heel up and over to the outside of your right leg. Tent the left hand back behind you. Inhale, right arm high. Exhale, take your elbow outside of the knee. And your hand can be like a stop sign facing away from you. More advanced students, you start to grab your knee. Then you try to reach your ankle. I know, it's hard. Right? Then you can find a bind. Does that make sense? So there's phases, okay? So let's talk about it on the other side so that, because the next thing you're gonna do is you're just gonna use your words to cue your student. So let's start off with both legs straight like you're in Dandasana, okay? On your next inhale, we're going to take and bring our Okay. Because you already know that the student has the ability with their knees. And the goes, yeah, okay, okay, good, that was my next question. What's the next thing? Okay, inhale up, right? Right 
right? And then breathe, correct? Okay, so that when you come out of it, you can lean back, you can do your counter pose if you want to. You can lean back and shake the legs out and then go to the other side. Awesome. Oh, I thought you were asking a question. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Okay, so now um, have your friend start in Dandasana and you can either cue right or left, but just without touching them, use your words to teach.
So about 30 more seconds. circles in their tummy and chew gum at the same time? One. Ten minutes on the day. Right? Tap your head, move your hands, chew gum at the same time. Oh, I can do it. Oh, very good. Right? Okay. Your yoga practice is all about smart moves, right? It's bilateral cross body. You're working on rewiring the brain so that you can find a more balanced state of being. But what's really hard, which I saw all of you trying to figure out, is it's almost like a tongue twister because how can you teach and say the right things when you're not supposed to be doing the pose and you're cueing other people to do it? Because the right and left and oh, other right and oh, other left and all of that stuff, it gets really confusing. One thing to always remember is that every inhale is an upward movement, right? And every exhale is like a grounding or a downward movement. So that really helps you cue the breath. But how do you cue the pose when you're doing this? And uh, when you're teaching it and not able to do it, right? Because one of the things that you're learning as you go through this program is that you're not practicing with your students. You're teaching modifications on up, but you're not able to do as you teach. So that when you graduate and you do your mentorship, you're teaching, but you're not practicing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So how many of you practiced with your student as you were cueing it? Don't be shy. I think it just like came. Yeah. Like, I didn't even think yeah. about it. Yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So one thing to do is to kind of practice this at home and figure out what is the best cue for yourself to do so that you don't have to do this. How many people take practices anywhere? How many of you actually do this pose in a class? Yeah. So a little less than over than half of you. It's, it's not something that people always do. That's why it's more, people call it an advanced pose. Not because it's an advanced pose. It's really not. You're just twisting your body up a little bit. It's because people don't like to figure out how to teach it because it is kind of like tapping your head and uh, chewing gum and drawing circles on your tummy at the same time. The best thing to do is find one body 
and then teach like you're teaching a robot. So you stand behind someone so that your rights and lefts are good. If you stand in front of people, you're going to screw yourself over big time, right? The, um, as one leg goes up and the other leg goes open, you always twist in the opposite leg, uh, opposite way that the leg is up and over. Does that make sense? So if my right leg's over, I'm twisting to my right. Because my leg is going to the left, but my torso is going to the right. So that I can get into the piriformis and the glute and um, uh, all the stuff and my psoas. You know, you are using the muscles in the upper body, but you also can feel it in your hips. Yeah? Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing to really remember. Stand behind your student. Because then you can use that adjustment that we just talked about. Okay? If my... I'm twisting in the opposite direction that my leg is going, then it makes sense because the opposite arm is going to reach up to go twist. If I'm going to do a counter pose because I screwed up, just say, oh, we're going to do a counter pose first to twist and open up your body to, so you can go deeper. Because they don't know. The only person knows that you effed up is you. So just... Act like you got it. What? Fake it till you make it. Right? And over time, if this was a repetitive sequence that you kept teaching, you would get how it kind of goes from one pose to the next. Right? Then another adjustment that works really well as you finally got your student in there, because the next thing we're going to do is we're going to cue it again for your student, but you're going to do that shoulder adjustment with your hand to the low back thing is you can do the same thing that I have people do in a revolved triangle. So my partner is very generously going to model a revolved triangle. When we teach a revolved triangle, and just, yep, you can just go into it, whichever leg front that you want to. When I have people go into a revolution, I usually take and I go to the opposite side, and I have them take and push their hand into my fist to get a deeper twist. Yep, but we're not going to go really deep because I'm not like focusing that much on it. But did you see what I'm doing? I'm having her push into my hand. Okay, so then will you go into half Lord of Fishes? Thank you. Mm -hmm. So then if someone else is going to demonstrate half Lord of the Fishes, and I don't want to have to worry about like getting totally in the pose, then without putting my privates in front of their face, I can say push into me. Did you see her back lengthen? Mm -hmm. All I'm doing is giving her a high five. So it makes it very simple, thank you, to be able to modify or adjust without being aggressive or like um, controlling or like you don't want to press down someone's thighs because you don't know what's going on with their hips. Their hip flexors might be at, uh, really engaged because they're runners and they're like trying to combat the hip flexors doing the work and really taking it into the breath. So it's really less is more in this one, okay? But the, the, the having, say this is my friend, the crack in the floor is my friend. My heel is next to the crack, if you get the analogy. And my leg is running along the spine, so that I just take my hands to their back and I say inhale, lengthen, exhale, twist. Inhale, lengthen, exhale, twist, right? And I'm not, I'm going with, the student. So on your third sheet, it says, your words are your most powerful tool. 
as you're supportive and motivating, remember to breathe with the student. And if you breathe with that student, you will know how far that they want to go in that pose. Because the worst thing to do is to twist the student too far, because then you can really do some disc damage and some musculature damage. That is really hard to repair, and then you'll not have ahimsa for that person for the rest of your life. Because you will feel that boo-boo, and you'll feel really bad. Anybody else have anything come up? I just was saying things that I saw. Did anybody else have anything come up as they were working with their friend? No? The words were easy to come out? Made sense? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So like I would have had her twisting and feeling more. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, it's because this is a habitual practice and we have to just practice using our words, it's going to feel hinky for a while. And that's totally normal. We're all in the same boat. But the more that you practice and use this pose in your life, the more you'll figure it out. The arms go the opposite way than the legs. It's just it's the mnemonic device. Like, I finally figured out with eagle that if it's right knee up, it's right elbow under. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how I remember eagle. And just as we were sitting here, I'm like, oh, yeah, if it's right knee up, it's left elbow over. Mm-hmm. It's just the, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Just takes time. So let's combine it all together and do the twist. Not aggressively, because we haven't had a whole practice, but adjust your friend in their twist as you've cued them to move around. And you can do the um, press into my hand thing. You can do the lengthen through the, any Tadasana thing, lengthen through the top of the head thing. You can do the shoulders and the hand towards uh, the foot near the midline and help them twist. Ready, set, go.
Is everybody good? Did everybody go? Uh, uh, so, any challenges? Did I get enough of time? No, you're good. Okay. Everybody find a new kind of um, expression or feel like you found something good? Okay. What a difference it makes to cue things behind them. Yeah. yeah, behind them is huge, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's another thing, too. When you're teaching, remember, you're not locked into this front of your space. And if you do stay here, think, people are going to think you're a job of the hut. <laughs> you know, you have to move around. You have to uh, walk and move around students so that you can really see and learn what you're cueing to versus just kind of being like a monologue. Okay, do this, do that. Um, or if there's a mirror there and you look in it and you're just phoning it in. Yeah. Make sure that you're really present and you're having more of a dialogue versus just kind of a monologue. And you'll have much better retention with your students and more engagement and more excitement about what you're doing. Um, and standing behind is, like you just said, a really great way to understand. Um, so this pose is really showing you um, all about the transformation and the transformative powers of yoga, right? And I referenced that, how it was, that's why it was mentioned in the Hatha Yoga Pratapika. Not lots of poses are mentioned in it, but this really is a great pose to show um, how you can use a twist to release so many different regions of your body and to create space in uh, stillness in your mind. Uh, any questions before I start to wrap this up? No? Uh, let's all go around and say one thing that you found was uh, interesting, prevalent, uh, something that you learned, that you um, knew that you learned about um, this pose. Who wants to start? Interesting. Anybody else? Um, and like I, I think the importance of being in the Dasana first. Mm. I didn't always feel that. Mm -hmm. So modification on up. Yep. Yeah. Uh -huh. And even though you're sitting on your ass, you're still in Tadasana. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the modifications um, really stuck out to me because even something that, like is, you know, putting, putting your hand into someone else's hand, I didn't realize you're. Yeah. Just simple little touches. Yeah. Of like going over them, like you know, yeah. in their yeah. space. Right? The KISS principle. Keep it simple. For me, it was that idea of right knee or left knee, right elbow. I screw that up when I'm practicing on my own at home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Take advantage of teaching mm -hmm, class. Mm -hmm. and so it's just that, again, the mnemonic device. Cool. Uh, I found the. Uh, yeah. Having them push their head into your hand slightly. Yeah. 
that was effective to lengthen your torso. Sweet. Okay. I learned that you're giving an uh, adjustment, like the high five one, to be mindful um, getting out of it. Because I let her hand go too fast. And like she was all like fisting in my hands. When I let her go, she was kind of like, oh. So the idea of the follow through. Yeah, don't that, just like walk yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Okay. I actually appreciate you mentioning that trauma-sensitive training idea in huh? thinking about where are those sensitive places. Mm -hmm. um, just because I've been to some classes where maybe the teacher does touch in, I don't want to say inappropriate ways, but Yeah, it's okay, ways. they do it. Yeah. So always take a shower because you get close to students and don't touch them in weird ways, right? <laughs> and with that, I really liked the hand against, I was, I was surprised that for me that was much better um, effective adjustment for yeah, you really versus was, the yeah because it really engages the core versus ah. when I pull it here. Yeah. So So it made you really think about the center and the breath. Yeah. Cool. So I was surprised with the, such a small touch of the nose. Mm -hmm. The other adjustment um, because I my shoulders are and so that one helps remind me of mm -hmm. It's interesting how you find an expression and we're so used to just turning our necks or, you know, like engaging, you know, and being more aggressive in it. But if you find an expression through the breath, there's a broadness and an opening. Coolio. Uh, so just like the fish learned how to be their own kind of teacher, right? And they learn the ancient and transformative power of yoga. Uh, you all are going through, <coughs> excuse me, your teacher training program, and you're learning how to share the timeless principles and wisdom of the yoga practice so that you can be effective te teachers and teach for modifications on up and teach also from your heart. So you're all going to be beacons of light and really, really amazing teachers. And I'm very honored that I could spend this time with all of you tonight. And thank you for being my partner. Um, make sure that you practice <coughs> so that you're, what you're teaching comes from a place of knowing versus a place of ego, right? The more you practice practicing, but also the more you practice using your words in a conscientious way, the more that you're going to practice um, ahimsa, right? So that that non-harming as a teacher is a, a balancing act between you and the students. It goes both ways. Mm -hmm. May the merits of your practice benefit all beings and have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Namaste. Namaste. Thanks for playing yoga.